Welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast for dance teachers and dance studio owners who have a passion for the art of dance. Hello and welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast. My name is Stacey Morgan and I'm joined by the wonderful Regold. Hey, Ray. Hey, Stacy. It's great to be here with you. Hello, listeners. Stacy, you always start off so, I don't know, like you make me smile. I'm ready to go. <laughs> good. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to you. It's always interesting talking with you about different aspects of what I do every day because my dance studio ownership journey is continuing to evolve and we get to have these great conversations and I find that the things that we talk about then kind of play out in real life. So it's a really interesting journey for me. So that's why I'm smiling. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it too. I mean that. Something else. Okay, what's on your mind today? <laughs> I know you're ready. Well, I was going to say, something else I really enjoy is IDEA, your uh, International Dance Entrepreneurs Association, which I've been a member of for five years now, maybe five and a half. And We're headed into, yeah, five and a half, six. Yeah. And, you know, it's such an incredible community of dance studio owners. And this last couple of years have been such a crucial time for that connection and for leaning on each other and for figuring out how we get through all of these challenges. But doing that with the other people in IDEA has been so incredibly rewarding. So if you're not an IDEA member, I totally encourage you to look into it. You can find out more at ideadance.org. And what is on my mind, Ray? Well, I'm thinking a lot at this, you know, at this point in the year and this point in the season about planning, about what is being planned for next season. And there are several people in my circle that have really had enough and have really decided that this dance studio ownership journey is maybe not for them anymore. And so I've been having a lot of conversations with them in regards to what they need to do in order to prepare their studio for that succession, um, what they need to do in order to make sure that their kids are going to be okay and they're going to be okay. And, you know, when I say okay, I mean financially, I mean emotionally, I mean, you know, all of the things because it's a really big decision to make. And my business mentor at the beginning of the pandemic said to me, do not make any big decisions. (laughs) Do not change. Because I had, you know, I woke up one morning and wanted to completely change the structure of my business. I wanted to bring on a board. I wanted to um, bring on a director. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. And she was like, hang on, hang on. You're not making any big decisions. And that was like in March last you know, 2020. Yeah, what's, what's funny is we can't make, we spent two years and we still can't yeah, make, make a, a big, really decision. big decision. Well, I was going to say, Ray, I feel like we're coming to the, you know, to the end of that. And some people are really feeling the strain of the last two years. And so today I kind of wanted to talk about, you know, what that succession planning looks like, how people are feeling out there in the marketplace when it comes to running their own business and, and you know, dance studio ownership. And to get your thoughts on what you feel people should be thinking about when it comes time to making those big decisions. First, I want to say this on a deeper level. If somebody listening is burned out and it is time, it's like no question in your mind. I don't want you to feel as though if you made a change, if you sold the business, if you changed your role in the business, that you didn't succeed. That is important to me because I think that 
you're right. I know uh, several school owners who have either made the choice to close or have been forced to close because of financial reasons or other things related to this COVID pandemic. Some of them feel bad because they feel like they weren't a success. Mm. And I, I, I want everybody to get that side of this. You are a success. You were a success. And it's okay to make change. I'm a guy who's changed to 10 different careers and companies in my 30 years in business. And I can tell you that each experience prepared me for the next one. Mm-hmm. So yes, there is something new out there for you and you were a success. Okay, so I think if somebody came to me, I'd be like your uh, mentor and I'd say, Ooh, don't make this decision quickly. But then I throw some other pieces in this mix. Yes, it could be as... Uh, simple as I'm ready to move on. How do I sell my business, etc. But I do think if you're thinking about this, is it a part of the business? Or is it your teaching schedule? Or is it your inability to run the business the way you want to? Because your time is being taken up by other things. Therefore, you've come to this burnout place mm. because I know many a studio owner and you and I work with some who were at a stage where they didn't want to be in the business anymore but once they changed their role to director and delegator of the 30,000 things <laughs> that go on they're happy in that role mm. So I want our listeners to know it's not all or the other. Yes. It's actually hanging out with yourself. And if I'm going to make a list of all the things I really love doing and all the things I don't like doing, if I have a lot of things on the list I like doing, I might say, then, how do I get to do only this? Mm. And in, in as the owner of the business, you're in a great position where you can actually make that happen. If you're working for somebody else, you can't go to them and say, okay, so I've decided that these are the things I want to do and these are the things I don't want to do. They're going to tell you to go jump off the cliff. But the thing is, you can, as a business owner, you can decide what are those things you really want to work at? And how can you work your schedule around that? I'm with you. And and become the master delegator. See, here's another reason for the burnout. We're afraid to let other people do work because we've done that for the last 21 years. Why would we give it to someone else? We, we We've been, you know, at this. They could mess it up. Well, reality is, if I've done it for 21 years, I'm probably wasting time redoing this and not having moved on to something else that will make that uh, my business better. Mm-hmm. And that could be reason for your burnout. I can turn 
whatever that job is over to somebody, oversee them for a little while, get them on track and probably not have to worry about that job any longer because they'll have done it now long enough. They got it. Yeah. And, And now you were always burned out on Tuesdays because you had to teach and do all this stuff, but all this stuff is being done by other people. So you actually enjoy Tuesdays. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? You so, so many people are scared of investing in that resource, investing, spending the money on paying somebody else to do that job that they've done. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. Getting somebody else to do it and investing that money is actually buying yourself some time. And time is the only thing that we, you don't know, that is, that is infinite. We can't get that back. So buying yourself time, especially if you're feeling burnt out, is one of the most valuable things you can do, especially as a starting off point. What can I get rid of on my plate? And how can I free up some time for myself to actually take a breath, take a moment? What's interesting about that mindset of, of, Paying someone else goes like this too. That letter that you have written for the last 10 years, somebody else could get that out, rewrite it for 2022, et cetera. And they got paid $15 an hour for doing that and several other things in that hour. And while she was doing that, you were working on next summer's program that was going to bring in $4,000. So it was worth me to pay $15 an hour to get the time to create the thing that's going to make me more successful and give me a vacation. Yep. Oh, I love that. (laughs) And, and then you've written the $4,000 income generating summer program that you put your summer director on and then you go sit on the beach. Uh, you know, I'm in 100% agreement with you. I hope our listeners understand that that's not a pipe dream. No. No, I can set up a summer program, like you said, put someone in charge of it, And even if I don't go away, I can come and go as I please. I Mm -hmm. might make a stop in on Wednesday night because you have everybody there and parents are going to be there. But this is under uh, the direction of someone else. They're handling it logistically and everything. And one day during the summer camp, I had my kid's birthday party. Mm Mm-hmm. I will never forget, Ree, I was at your conference in um, Arizona and Terry was speaking on stage and she said, I've got a summer program going on right now in my studio, but I'm here. And I was like, mind blown. Like, really? That's going on there and you're here and you don't have to be there and you don't have to check in. And, and she was like, no, that's just how it works. That director has autonomy in her role. I trust her. She's doing a great job and I pay her accordingly. And that was such a game changer for me. I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's something I can do. And now I do What's, and it's fantastic. <laughs> it is a game changer. I look at uh, the concept for those that are listening are, are, Getting directors or hiring people to handle different projects in the school, whether it's the summer program, the ballet program, maybe a preschool director, 
and allowing them to direct those those departments, but to take responsibility for them and to take that responsibility off of you. Mm. And I would love to see more people be willing to do that. And there are people who are listening right now because I've been doing this for so long as I could never afford to do that. I want you to know that if I spend $45 for the three hours to have this person do something that is repetitious, and I take that time to do something that is productive, Mm-hmm. If you don't do it, you're hurting your business. Yep. Or, or your chances for success or to get to the next level. Yep. We can all run everything in the beginning. But boy, if you think you're going to do that after you have been in business for 10 years and you've grown your school to 400 kids and you got four classrooms running... Mm -mm. it was never meant to be all your job no no and you know some people don't want to pass things off and not be in charge of things because they think you know what will the parents think and I'm guilty of this I thought that in the early days they think you know if she's not if she's not going to be there then who's you know who's running this show what's going on and I don't know if this is if this translates re but I if parents have something to say to me about that I will often say to them, when you go and get on a plane and you're going to fly to Los Angeles, do you expect Richard Branston to be flying the plane? Ooh, that gets a snap. Well, it he's never he's not the pilot. He pays somebody to be the pilot. He owns Virgin Atlantic, but he's not flying your plane to LA. <laughs> so I don't need to I I might own my dance studio, but I don't need to be here to teach your child tap because I'm at home putting my kids to bed or I'm in the other room teaching senior ballet. (laughs) Right. And it's okay for you to make listen, everybody. It's okay to make putting the kids to bed a priority. Mm -hmm. Your clientele does it every day. Yep. You have that right. And, and, Take me back to the what you the point you just made before uh, Richard Branston flying the plane. Yes, so I look at it like this: my understanding in the situation. If I've taught your kid for nine years and now I'm giving her to another teacher or him, I get it a little bit. Okay, we all would. You would if your own kid had that teacher. Yeah. But if you're feeling guilt because you're not present in the studio when the summer program is running that you weren't even scheduled to be on, or you feel guilty because you have rehearsals on a Sunday that you're not scheduled to be at, you got to let that go. Mm -hmm. That's creating the burnout that makes you say, I think I want to sell, or I think I need an exit strategy. Yeah. So let's think about the people then, Ree, who are burnt out, but they have been delegating, but they've just decided that it's time, okay. that their studio has run its journey and they need to think about what happens next. I know for so many dance studio owners, the thought of selling their studio to somebody else and somebody else taking it on is a really scary proposition. What would you say to those people who you know, are thinking, I'll just close the doors and walk away instead of you know, 
thinking about it as as in a business that you, you know is is sellable is saleable saleable or or somebody could come in and take it over for you and you could teach if you wanted to um there are a lot of options this is what i'd say if i were like okay this person is ready to sell the first thing i'd say is this is confidential information that you're even considering selling mm. be very careful who you talk to mm. about this when you do talk to a interested person Ask them to sign, I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, non-disclosure. Non-disclosure, yeah, mm. non-disclosure agreement. Um, I also say that you need an evaluation. Don't think you're walking out and you're not going to get it. I get how we could get there. I once sold the business that I was burned out of for a lot less money than it was worth. Mm. Because it got a little complicated and I was so burned out that I'm like, okay. I don't care. Just take it. <laughs> just take it. Yeah. So, yeah, don't start off with I'm just closing the doors. I I start thinking about people who are around me that I think have done a good job within my business over the last several years loyal to the business, a faculty person. We both know uh, somebody who recently sold their studio to the office manager mm -hmm. who's now running the business. And she's a consultant for that office manager. So I'd look around for the people that I could have this conversation with. And I would keep it as confidential as I could. I talked to an accountant so that I could have an evaluation. Mm -hmm. And I would try to think about doing this as a transition that would take place at the end of a season. Not in a, well, you know, I, I was thinking off the top of my head there, Stacey, I guess I could make this transition mid-season and that way people get a chance to get the flavor of the new person rather than everybody going home for the summer and you're, the new person is trying to get those people to come back. So I just reversed my advice there. <laughs> well, I think there's, you know, there's lots of options for people to think about. You can do the transition at the end of the year. You can do it mid-season. You can um, think about what role you would like to play. You know, so the person we know is coming on as a consultant and therefore they're still involved in the business and the parents still see that involvement, which I think is important. But for some people that wouldn't work because their heart and soul is the studio and they can't stand to see somebody else running it. They just want a clean, a clean break. And they're things to consider as well. I actually, uh, I'd say there's probably 50-50 in people who would need that clean break. Mm. There are like, like the person we were discussing earlier who's, working as a consultant, she loves being in the studio. 
but yes, there are many who could get to the place where, nope, I'm uh, making this transition. And the day that I make it, I'll be on the beach. And and the, there's paperwork that needs to go around that as well, because, you know, if you're taking, getting someone to take over your studio and you're doing the clean break, you've got to know that you've got to get on the beach and you cannot be contacting those parents and you cannot be running into them in the grocery store with your opinions on how she's now running your studio and what's going right and what's going wrong and what she should be doing or shouldn't be doing. That is really toxic, especially in small communities when it comes to, you know, passing on that legacy. I actually think if I sell you my business, my goodwill, if anybody ever complained to me about you, I'd say I support her 100%. Yes. I wouldn't have made this decision if I didn't think it was the right decision for the kids. Yeah. So those of you that may find yourself in that place, support it 100%. Mm. Very vocally, very publicly. It's so incredibly important because it is, you know, so much of what we do purchase when we purchase a new studio is goodwill. So what, you know, you're selling those students essentially, but they don't have to stay. They can go wherever they like. So you really want to do everything you can to prepare the next person to come that's coming along to be able to keep those students and get their money's worth in terms of that goodwill. It's so important. And if you do it the right way, you'll take pride as they progress and they they get more years under their belt. I sold a business that I started when I was 17. I was like, I believe like 43 when I sold it. I had had it for 24 years. It's about 44 or 45 years now. And I look at it and I feel pride. No, I have nothing to do with it anymore. But I feel pride in this thing that I created continuing to go on. It's a legacy. Mm. So think about that as well. Their success will be a reflection of your success. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And it's also, I think, it's really important to think about the, what you, what you would like to do. So what your role, if you are going to step out of your business, what your role is then going to look like and what Mm. you're going to be doing with your time and how involved you want to be or not involved. You don't want to kind of make that up as you go along. You want it to be really clear so that the expectations on both sides are really clear. If the person buying your studio thinks that you're going to pop in every afternoon and say hi to the kids and then you go and sit on the beach and you're nowhere near it, that's going to be really disheartening for them. So getting really clear on those expectations is is so important. And when you're really clear on your expectations, think about what's best for you. I think those of us who are selling a business and somebody's paying a lot of money and they're a little nervous about what they're doing might say, oh, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, I'll come in three days a week, da, 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 because that's where you are at that moment. Mm. Be really clear. Doesn't mean I'm not here if you have an emergency. 
because I don't want you not to be successful because I need you to pay <laughs> your monthly payment on this business. But be clear, like this is what I want to do. This is how I will be there for you. Uh, I think that's really, really important. Yeah. And if your choice is to step away, step away. Yep. A hundred percent. Do it. Don't just, don't half do it. (laughs) And no judgment of who you sold it to. No bad feelings. Uh, Step away. Yeah. And, and when, I know what I'm about to say probably isn't the advice other people would give you, but I picture a real step away as some time to think of where you want to go next instead of saying, oh, on the day I sell my business, I have to start doing this. Mm. Yeah. Because it takes a little while after you have been through the rat race of running the business for the last 26 years for your mind to clear enough for you to actually realize what it is that would make you happy at this point. Yes. I've seen people go, well, what will I do? What will I do? Who cares what you'll do? You'll have 280 grand in the bank. You will have this money that you've saved. And my guess is that Within six months, you'll figure that out. Yeah. Everybody feels like they have to know the answer to their future. In this world that we live in now, forget it. No, forget. You once said to me, two weeks. Stacey, two weeks. You can plan what's happening in the next two weeks, but don't go any further than I am that. a big two-weeker, and I want our listeners to know why I came to that was because I was talking to a medical professional who worked with children, COVID studies. And I was talking to him, something dance related. And I said, oh, but these people, they don't know what's going to go on with their recitals. And this was like, I don't know, February, March. And he said, "Re, from the medical profession to you, we are only working two weeks at a time. Yeah. And that stuck with me. Okay, they're in the middle of this whole thing. But it does make sense at this point. At this I time. mean, look at the variations. Look at the vaccination for kids. And I don't know. I, I get it. Two weeks at a time. If we could, re- though, this was about moving on in your business, that takes time and strategy. So I don't want you to mix those two up yeah yeah but you said something earlier re about you know you want the student the person who takes on your studio to be successful because they're going to make that monthly payment wherever possible you want them to pay for the business up front you want them to go to the bank get a loan give you the money so you've got all the money because if they're paying a monthly payment or they're paying it off in installments and they don't run the business well and it tanks you're left in a really tricky position I agree with you. And to me, that is the clean, smooth way. Mm. And so if you... Wait, though. Hang on. There's a however. (laughs) Yeah, there's a however. 
there are a lot of studio owners who want to pass it on to a faculty person who's younger, uh, starting a family. And that is the person they believe that will make this business grow. Mm. So therefore, they, they could find themselves in a situation where they are holding a part of the loan or the loan. So I, I just want to make that point. Yes, you want it to be 100%. But if you don't find yourself with that perfect 100% person, don't stay where you don't want to be. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So for those studio owners who are thinking, you know, who've, who've got to this point in the podcast and they're not thinking of selling their studio, but they know that that will be in their future some way down the track. I think it's important to think now about that succession planning, to be thinking about where do I want this to go? How long do I want this to go on for? And then thinking about what you want to do with the finances in the business as well. Because some people like to not take a really big salary or wage for themselves and put that money back into the business. So the business looks beefy and it looks like it's, you know, doing really, really well so that when you go and sell it, you can get a higher price for it. But some business owners like to take that regular beefy salary so that they might not sell the business for a whole lot of money at the end, but at least they've, you know, made it worth its while along the way. And that's something really valuable for studio owners to think about sooner rather than later. I, I agree with you there. I uh, used to say to people that, and I'm not telling you that this is the best way, but if I wanted to determine the value of my business, I'm going to do two times the gross, and then I'm going to do five times the profit. I'm going to take those numbers divided in half and that's about where the value of my business will be but in the years since I was given that formula especially when I talked to who's our financial guy that we're often talking to Sean Sean there are lots of other things that come into play the goodwill the right now we've had COVID so if your enrollment has gone down uh, from 300 to 200. They're not going to buy the business based on the 300 that you had two years ago. So, mm. so there are a lot of things that go into a evaluation of, of the price that your business is worth. And also, don't stay in it if you can't get your price and someone is offering you something close to your price. Don't become stubborn about it because once you get out, like I said, and figure out what's next, my guess is you'll start making money again. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the end. The end of all ends. Right. Yeah. Well, this has been lovely, Ray, talking all things succession planning. 
Because it's, it's good stuff to think about, right? And if people are driving in their cars or perhaps they're, you know, doing the washing up or pottering in the garden and they're listening to us, it doesn't have to be something that goes on their to-do list tomorrow, but it is something to keep in the back of your mind and to come up with a plan. Discuss it with your partner. Discuss it with your family. Discuss it with your faculty. What is the plan? Where are we going? And what are we thinking about things? And if you don't have anyone to discuss it with, then you should definitely join IDEA. And today's podcast has been brought to you by IDEA, the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association. You can find out more at ideadance.org. I have to say that was so smooth, my friend. (laughs) But in closing, I want to say to everybody, enjoy the journey and be grateful for your gift of dance, whatever your decisions are in the future. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Regold's Dance Life Podcast. Learn more about joining the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association, the Dance Life Teacher Conference, and the Dance Life Retreat Center at regold.com or follow Regold's Dance Life on Facebook. Enjoy the journey. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 